Blog Talk Radio.
God redeemed. Everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Ed Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States and around the world. We have a special program for you tonight. I know it'll be a program that will be a blessing to you. Uh, I have uh, my friend, Brother Bill Moore, is going to be giving a special testimony tonight. But before we get into that, let's ask the Lord's blessing upon this program because the Bible, you know, tells us in Zechariah 4 6. It's not by power of might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So we're going to ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon our program tonight, all right? Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you. I just want to lift up the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the privilege tonight to to be able to share the gospel and testimony tonight, Lord, of how you work mightily in a man's life. And, Father, I just pray that you open the hearts and the ears of the hearers tonight to really hear, not just to listen to it, but to hear it and to make it a part of their heart and to apply it to their lives what you speak to them through this testimony. Now, Father, I just thank you. I just give you praise. I honor you, Father. And this pray tonight will set many people free, turn many people to Jesus Christ, and you will just touch their spirit, souls, and bodies of everybody listening tonight in a special way. And, Father, all that's accomplished will give you all the glory and all the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, amen, amen, and amen. Well, without further ado here, I'm going to introduce Bill Moore. He's a friend of, of my wife and I, Sabina. He's a friend of our daughters, both of our daughters. And uh, Bill has quite a testimony. God has worked mightily in Bill's life and through Bill's life. And what I'm going to do now, without any more further ado, I want to introduce my friend Bill Moore and leave the Lord use him in a mighty way tonight. So, Bill, you have the mic now. Just leave the Holy Spirit use you for whatever he wants now. Okay? Yes. Uh, good evening, everybody. I just want to start up by saying, um, you know, my life began at six months old when I was adopted. And, you know, most people, they were born and all that good stuff. But, you know, I was adopted at six months old. And the parents that adopted me, they were very, um, they, they were older than me. I don't know if that, you know, that, you know, they were older. And um, so they were very abusive towards me. They were very uh, verbally abusive towards me. She was very physically abusive. He was very sexually abusive. And they were both, like I said, very verbally abusive. And um, they had adopted an older son eight years before me. He was their pride and joy. He could say no wrong, do no wrong. And then myself, uh, when they adopted me, you know, um, when I got old enough to really remember things, you know, they would always tell me every day of my life, you know, they would always say, you know, we really didn't want you, but we took you anyway. And uh, so that stayed with me like a like like a double rejection, you might say, like I was, a, I was rejected from giving up at birth, and then I was, you know, more or less rejected by them because, you know, I was told they didn't want me. And so I carried that and carried that and carried that. And then when I became uh, five years old um, and I began school, that's when he first started um, molesting me and, and abusing me sexually. And um, when I would go to tell her what he was doing and how it was hurting me and bothering me, you know, she would just simply start, you know, she started, that's when the physical abuse from her started. She would start uh, beating me and stuff. And so I, I cured that as a young child and everything. And so I tried to do everything in my power to make to make them love me. You know, I even, 
you know, I even told them at an early age, you know, I said, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a social worker because, you know, um, I was placed in the, a good home, and I, so I want to place, you know, other kids in good homes just like I was placed, and I tried to get them to love me, but I never got that in return. And so that just went on my whole entire life, and, um, you know, the abuse from him got worse and worse, and that just threw things in my head that should not be there as a child, you know, because that really threw confusion in me sexually, you know, in my thinking. You know, most you know most boys are interested in girls, and they think about, you know, kids of their own and things like that, but I never had that privilege to think like that, and so I didn't know what my life was going to end up like, and so time went on and time went on, and, you know, she took me to church every Sunday, and... Um, I, you know, I can I can say I grew up in a Christian home, you know, with her being the Christian. He was never a Christian. Uh, he was an alcoholic as well as an abuser. And um, so with her, though, she was, you know, like I said, she would take me to the church, and she would just be the, you know, if you, would, if you did not know the story, you would just think she's the greatest Christian in the world, and you had no discernment whatsoever. You would just think, well, wow, she's just the, the greatest mother you could ever have. And... Um, like I said, I tried my best to, you know, earn their love, but I couldn't even do that. I mean, it's just like I was just destined to be the um, the bad omen in their life or the 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 sore spot in their life because, like, like they told me, you know, they said that they wanted a daughter and I wasn't that daughter. But with him abusing me, he tried to make me his daughter, which, you know, is a second twisted thing, but that's the way he was. And so as the story goes on, um, in, 80, in early 87, I moved away because I just couldn't take it anymore. I just could not take it anymore. So I moved away, and I'd been moved away for a little bit of a week, and she called me one day, and she said, um, I, I'm sick. I'm, I'm losing weight. I'm sick. I need you to come back and take me to the doctor. And I said, well, you know, that is something you can do for yourself. And she said, no, 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 I don't want to live. Unless you take me, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. And so I had enough guilt on me. I thought I don't need any more guilt, and so I came back from where I was living, and I came back, and I took her to the doctor. The doctor just looked at her because she had lost so much weight, and he said, you've got cancer. And they scheduled the surgery for a few weeks later, and, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the next week they scheduled it because, you know, he really wanted to rush it and everything. So they operated on her and uh, discovered she had uh, cancer. She had cancer in her stomach, her spleen, her liver, and uh, different organs in her body, and, um they told us that as we were waiting for, you know, waiting for him to come out after the surgery. And so the very next day, you know, we all met back, you know, the family met back and other people were there who, you know, that cared about her, you know. And they, we all met in her room and the doctor came in and he told us the full story about how extensive the cancer was even more so and told us that, um, you know, when she goes home, she's going to need 24, 24-7 care. And someone would need to do that, you know, and he was looking for somebody to, you know, make a make a promise that they would be her caregiver and they would look after her. And so uh, as he's talking, I'm looking around the room at all these people and, you know, all these people that supposedly loved her, but no, not, sing- not one single person would raise their hand. And so with me wanting to earn my love and I thought, well, maybe this will be my last chance. Maybe I can get her to love me before she dies. Maybe if I take care of her, maybe she'll love me then. Maybe that will be what brings us close, and maybe before she dies we can be close, and maybe she'll love me once and for all. And so I raised my hand, and I said, I'll take care of her. I'll I'll take care of everything. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll do it. And so I committed to take care of her, and uh, I took care of her. And um, time went on, and um, 
you know, growing up in the church, you know, I was always told I was saved, but, you know, being saved now is totally different, so I know I really wasn't then. And so um, I just really, um, it, it, it was just so hard being there with her, you know, because it's like I don't want to say anything wrong, I don't want to do anything wrong, because like I said, I did want that love. And so I began to read the Bible to her every day and uh, began to do that. And um, I guess maybe after three or four days, you know, she just got where she didn't want to hear the Bible anymore. I guess she just wanted to die and be out of this world because, you know, her, she and her husband and my adopted father, they did not really have a good relationship, you might say. He had other people on the side who he was having affairs with and stuff and um, never really showed her any love or concern or anything. And so um, so after reading her the Bible for a few, uh, reading her the Bible a few short days, um, she finally told me one day, she said, I, 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 I don't want you to read in the Bible anymore. I don't want to hear I just don't want to hear it anymore. But I thought, well, you need to hear this. You need to hear this because she had a charismatic friend because, you know, we grew up Baptist. And so she had a charismatic friend that told her about healing, you know, because in the Baptist church I was taught growing up that, you know, if you're healed, it's God's will. It's not really something that really happens that often. But, you know, basically hope for the best. But they don't say that, but just hope for the best is more or less what they're saying or doing. The church I grew in, that is, you know. And so... um so finally, you know, like I said, I kept reading to her even though she told me she didn't want to hear it. So finally, you know, she talked to the adopted father one day, and she told him, she said, uh, if he doesn't quit reading the Bible to me, she said, I-, I can't take it anymore. She said, you've got to have him stop. You've got to make him stop. And so he pulled me outside uh, one day, and he said, um, he said, you know, she's asked you very kindly to stop reading the Bible to her, so if you don't stop reading to her, he said, I will kill you. And I knew those wasn't light words. I knew he meant those words because growing up with him in an alcoholic, there was many times I was held at gunpoint and told he was going to kill me. And so I knew that, you know, with that look on his face and I knew his past and I knew he meant business and I knew I better quit, so I did if I wanted to stay alive or if I just wanted to stay there with her. Because, like I said, I'm still trying to earn her love and her trust, you know, before she dies. And so anyway, so I stopped, and then a few short months um, went by. No, uh, like a month or so went by. And the only time I ever got out is uh, once a week I'd go to the grocery store, and uh, that's when one of her sisters would come down and help her while I'd go to the grocery store. And so this particular um, Saturday I went to the grocery store, and never will forget, I was coming back from the grocery store, and there's this sharp curve as I was coming back home. And I looked at that curve, and I just got this brilliant idea. I thought, oh, I know what I can do. I can come get, I can leave some things off the list, and if her sister comes to see her next Wednesday, I can – come back and everything, so on the way back home, I can really floor it in the car, you know, push on the gas, and I can kill myself. I won't have to worry about her anymore. I won't have to worry about anything anymore. I'll just take care of business, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just take care of the whole thing for God. I'll just kill myself because I had nothing really to live for. And so it was interesting that I had made that in my head, made that date, you might say, in my head for the next Wednesday, and so she actually died that Tuesday night. And so after she died, you know, um, I just thought to myself, you know, I never got her love. I never got her trust. I never got anything from her. I never got anything. Um, and I didn't get that really from him, and I was really wanting love so bad in my life. Um, I just thought, I don't, even know where, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do. I knew that, you know, with being sexually abused, I knew that I really wasn't, you know, you know, when I thought about a sexual attraction, if you will, there was none really for a woman, per se. 
but you know, being abused sexually by my adopted father, you know, I was really, um, I guess that drew me to men or made me call, or made me think in my mind that that's all I deserved or that's what I that's what I needed or that's what I would have for my future if I wanted sex, it'd be with another man. And so I thought to myself, well, I'll do that for a month or two, you know, maybe a couple, three partners and everything, sexual partners, and I'll say I've been there, done that, and that'll be over with, and then I can go in with what the next chapter is in my life. So once I dove into that lifestyle, you know, that lifestyle was a very, 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 I can't stress enough the word very, hard lifestyle to get out of. It's not like something you get in one day and then the next day you just all of a sudden decide you're going to get out. It's not that way. You want to... Once the devil's got you, he doesn't want to let you go. And I learned that, trust me, the hard way. Because those um, those two months that I had allowed myself that I was going to have fun for those two months, those two months ended up being, uh, those two months lasted 25 years. And it was a hard 25 years. It, it, I mean, there was there was times I told myself that I was happy. There was times I told myself that I was okay. Um, I did find a um, partner um you know, like maybe three years after I entered the lifestyle, you know, and I, I lived with him, and um, we had a relationship. But the interesting thing is, um, as I know now, but I didn't know then, what I was do- or what I was looking for, and what I actually found was uh, another father, another father to abuse me, because this man that I got had gotten involved with, he was 22 years older than me. And so, therefore, it was like a father, you know, and everything. But, but I told myself, he loves me. That's all that matters. I don't care if he's 100 years older. He's, you know, he loves me, and he's telling me he loves me. And I've never had that before, so I don't care if he does treat me badly. I don't care if he does, you know, abuse me, you know, try to abuse me verbally or something. At least he's saying the word love, and that's one I've ever had. So I'm at least getting what I finally want. I know I don't deserve it, but, you know, I'm finally getting that. And so um, he actually, when I met him, he told me he had HIV. And, of course, that didn't matter to me because I thought, I don't care because, you know, if you can love me and I can love you, that's all that matters. I was negative myself. To this day, I'm still negative, by the way. But um, but I just, I didn't care. I just, I, I just settled for the first person that showed me love, and that was him, and I just grabbed on and didn't let go. And... Um, he died in 96, and in the year 2000, um, I really got this urge, if you will, to um, go see him. So um, I took a friend with me to go see him because I didn't want to go by myself. And I had been through therapy, you know, and everything to try to get this abuse in my head out of me. And so I went to this therapist for, you know, two years, and so... Um, and the year, like I said, the year 2000, I decided to go see him. And so I went to go see him. I took this friend with me. And so when we went to go see him, he was sitting outside underneath a tree. And we went and we sat down beside him, and uh, we both said hello to him. And he didn't know my friend. had never met her, but, of course, he knew me because I was his adopted son. But I would not seen him in probably nine – this will be nine years I've seen him, you know, since I'd seen him, you know, because the last time I saw him was 91, and now it's 2000. And so uh, we're, we're – um, you know, trying to say hello to him and all this good stuff and trying to talk to him. And he finally looks over at me really, you know, at, at, you know, very awkwardly, and he says, do I know you? And he looked at her and said, do I know you? And she said, no, you don't know me, but this is your son. 
And as soon as uh, she said that, he then, you know, recalled it was me. It's not like he was sick or anything, but he did recall who I was, and I guess he'd put me out of his mind. And so um, he began to tell me, he said, did you know your mother's uh, brother so-and-so has died, her sister so-and-so has died, and then he went on different relatives of his that had died and just went on with a whole string of people that had died. And um, he just, you know, was talking about death a lot. And um, so we, we, we stayed maybe 30 minutes talking to him and, you know, carrying a conversation with him. And so finally we left. And the next week I called my therapist. I said, i got to see you. Even though I'm finished with your therapy, I've got to see you because I really want to tell you something. And so I made the appointment to go see her. And so I told her about going to see him and how he didn't. All he talked about was death. And she looked at me and she was crying and she said, do you know why he was talking like that? Do you know why he said all those things? And I said, well, yeah, that's very easy. She said, tell me. I said, well, the only thing he recognized was death and he didn't recognize me because I'm very much alive. And when I said that, she cried even harder and she stood up from her chair and she said, you sit in my chair. She said, you can be the therapist and not me. And so that really blessed me that, you know, even though I wasn't delivered yet, God had brought me that far. And so time went on, time went on, and I was just really seeking. I was—I mean, I, I never even—I never gave up on God to deliver me. I kept praying every day. I kept really believing every day that He would. I just, just—but I just didn't know what the problem was. Of course, now I do because I didn't. It was for because I was not at a place to receive it because I didn't really want it. I was wanting the best of both. I was wanting to be delivered plus, you know, still see people on the see guys on the side, you know. But you can't do that. It's either you're either all in or you're all out. It's not, you know, all a cart uh, cafeteria style. You know, God is either all in or he's all out. Like the thing goes, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so, um, so time went on, time went on, and um, so finally, it's just like my life got to be crazier and crazier and crazier. And so, the year 2012. In early July, um, I started having these nightmares about my adopted father and him abusing me sexually. And I thought, why am I dreaming? Why am I having these dreams now all of a sudden after all these years? Why now? Why now? And I was just questioning, you know, what was going on? So time went on and time went on and time went on. So probably by the end of the month of July of that year, 2012, I thought, well, let me, you know, we've got modern technology now. Let me just Google his name and see what pops up. Who knows what's going to pop up. So I Googled his name, and lo and behold, I discovered he died, you know, during the first part of July, like around the second or third of July of that year. And so I um, discovered that, and it's really interesting because as soon as I discovered he had died, my nightmares just completely stopped, and I haven't had one since. And it was just really interesting. And um, so that was 2012. And so, like I said, my life was crazy. I mean, I, I was just in a bad place in the whole world. I just hated people. I hated everything. I mean, I would walk down the sidewalk. Um, I was living in California at the time. I'd walk down the sidewalk, and I would purposely bump into people, hoping and praying that someone would just beat the living daylights out of me and just maybe even kill me, just put me out of my misery. Because I was too chicken to do anything myself. But I was wanting out of this life so bad, but like I said, I was too chicken to do anything. And so the next year, 2013, um, a friend of mine was going to go to New York City for Christmas, and he asked me to go with him. 
I said, well, why not, why not? What have I got to lose? Why not, why not, why not? And so uh, he asked me, he said, do you want to go see a play? I'll buy you a ticket. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to see a play. I don't want to see people. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see people. But he bought me a ticket anyway, so I went to the, a play that night. It was December 23rd, 2013. And I went to the play that night, and they had added extra rows because the play was so popular. And so um, I'm sitting there where I thought was my seat, and this family walks in, husband and wife and two children. And uh, the man comes over to me, and he said, you're sitting in our seat. I said, well, I'm not moving. I'm sitting exactly where I'm sitting. He said, you need to move your seat, or I'm going to go get an usher. And so to be perfectly blunt with you, I told him, I said, well, I said, I don't care what you do. I said, you and your whole family, including your children, I said, you can all go to hell. And so he ultimately went and got an usher, and an usher came back and everything and said, I don't want to, you know, any trouble he said, you are in their seat. He said, you're one row back. He said, that's all we're asking to do is move one row back. And reluctantly, I did, you know, um, sit one row back. And so the play started. I was trying to get into it, but my mind was 50 places. And like I said, I was just, I just had so much hatred in my heart. And so during the intermission, I checked my phone messages. And so when I checked my phone messages, I had discovered um, – one of uh, Ed and Sabina's children, which is my, I call her my sister, called me. And so I called her back, and uh, she said, can you talk? And I said, well, not right now. I'm in a play, but can I call you after the play is over? And she said, well, of course. And so I, I just said, well, I'll just call her after the play. You know, So I went back, and the play ended and everything. So after the play ended, I went to turn my phone on to call her back. And so when I went to call her back, my phone wouldn't even turn on. And that was God because my phone had like maybe 60, 70, even 70% battery life. So it's not like it was weak on battery or anything. So that was God, you know, allowing me not to call her because he knew he was wanting to deal with me himself. And so um, so after I couldn't turn the phone on, I just thought, well, I'll just go for a walk. I'll just go for a walk. You know, there shouldn't be many people out. I can just walk by myself. I can just be by myself. So I went for a walk, and I... Finally came to this very tall building. I can't even remember now where I even was, but I was in New York City, but don't remember the street or anything. But anyway, so I'm at this um, very tall building, and I couldn't cry then because I had a heart of stone. I mean, if you'd put a gun to my head and said, I'm going to kill you unless you cry, well, you would have killed me because my heart was hardened. I could not cry. But that night when I was in from that building, I just began to cry, and I just began to weep before the Lord. And I said, Lord, you've got to save me and deliver me tonight. You've got to do this tonight. You've got to do this tonight. I said, if you don't save me and deliver me tonight, I said, this is it. This is it. I said, I will climb that building, and I will jump off, and I will kill myself. I said, I cannot go through this life any longer. I've got to be delivered. I've got to be saved. I can't live like this. This is This is hell on earth. I said, hell, the eternal hell down below, it can't be worse than this. This, I mean, I'm in hell right now. I, I just got to get out. You've got to save and deliver me. Well, thankfully and gratefully, I'm here to report he did save and deliver me that night. And my life has never been the same since. And um, so once he saved and delivered me, when I got back home, um, I thought I got to find a church. But living in California, that's like impossible unless you go to a liberal church. I mean, I'm sure there maybe is in other places, but where I was living, it was just liberal. It was like liberal city per se. I mean, being in the lifestyle was embraced. It was like you know, just you know, you were just you didn't have a sin if you were in the gay lifestyle. You know, it was okay. You know, in fact, you're almost I won't say rewarded for it, but you were just like, wow, that's great. You got a partner. Wow, that's wonderful. 
It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. And so um, anyway, so I began to, uh, I thought about, you know, as I was uh, praying to find a a place to watch, even online, I began to pray. And God began to bring back to my remembrance the uh, Brownsville revival with um, John Kilpatrick and Steve Hill. And so I thought, oh, John Kilpatrick, I wonder if he's, if, if he still has that church in Florida. So I researched him and discovered he didn't, but he did have a church in Alabama he was uh, pastoring. So I researched that church and discovered that they did have live streams. So I thought, oh, I can watch live stream every Sunday. That's what I can do for my church. And also uh, was go- I was going to watch him. I was going to watch John Hagee's church as well because I remember John Hagee from the past that a man I respected because he didn't really miss his words at that time when I first watched him. He was very, as I call it, Helen Brimstone pastor. He just told it like it was with no apologies. And that's the kind of pastor I wanted and actually I needed because with what I was delivered from, I needed something strong to keep me strong and not allow me to fall and not allow me to be weak and go back to my old ways because I did not want to go back to that life again. Because I knew if I ever went back to that life, I knew I would never... It, this was it. I knew that there was no other chance for me. I mean, I know there might have been, but I knew in my heart it would be even more harder to get delivered, you know, again. And I didn't want to take that risk and that chance. I just wanted to be, you know, delivered all the time. I didn't want to falter or anything. And so I began to watch John Hagee's church and that church both. And so finally one day, I, you know, I really wanted to be in John Kilpatrick's church more, um, watching it more. I don't know why, but I did. And so I just began to pray, and so finally a couple of days, I mean a couple of weeks after that, you know, God did, you know, release me from Pastor Hagee's church, and I began to watch John Kilpatrick's church all the time. And so I was watching that church, and, and it was a great church. It was a wonderful church, but, you know, it just wasn't, it, you know, I knew there was something out there that would just really reel me in and draw me in and just really make me feel like I was a part of, but it just wasn't there. It just, something was just lacking there. You know, um, so it's just like I would, something was just lacking. And so they, they had an open chat with their church where you could let, you know, chat and people could read the chat as well as watch the service. And so in that open chat, uh, someone mentioned this took her Sunday. They said, Does every, has, any, has everyone heard about the um, tent revival that's going on in Burlington, North Carolina with uh, C.T. Townsend? I had never heard of C.T. Townsend, but with C.T. Townsend and I thought, no, I could write that down. I got to remember that. I got to watch that to see what it's like, you know, because I was fascinated by tent revival, you know, because I thought, wow, that must be pretty interesting. And so, like maybe a week later, I decided to, to watch that. It was Monday through Friday. I decided to start watching that, and uh, it was quite good actually. And I guess maybe I'd been watching maybe a week or so. And uh, one one night I was watching, and CT called on this man to pray and the the man that he called on to pray is now my pastor which I'll get to that but anyway it was my pastor who I have now and so anyway so um, he called on him to pray and so when he prayed he got on his knees to pray and that just really just I don't know something about that just leaped in me something just jumped in me it's like wow that must be a true man of God he got on his knees to pray. He must mean real business with God. You know, he must be really serious about his walk with God and his relationship with God. I thought, i got to research that man, see if he's got a church. i got to just find out more about this man. And so um, 
So a few days later, I did research and I discovered he had a church. It's in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, and I thought I got to watch that church one of these days. So, so the next week, um, I I thought to myself, I got to watch that church. I got to watch that church. So I made an effort to watch that church. That's you know that next Sunday, and so when I was watching the church. The first, no, actually, let me go back a little bit. So anyway, so after I decided I was going to watch that church service, God gave me a dream, a very vivid, very clear dream. And in my dream, um, I could see the inside of the church, the carpet was red, the seats in the choir, they were red, and the, the choir was singing the song, Unclouded Day. And that just really thrilled me because I thought, wow, I hope the church is like that because the church our girlfriend was like that. It was like a Baptist church. And uh, they sang hymns, and I thought, I would love to find a church like that where they sing hymns and the Word of God is really preached and have all that together all in one thing. But I thought, is that even possible to find all that in one thing? So, of course, with God, all things are possible. So so the next Sunday, which was a few days later, um, I was going to watch it for the first time, and as soon as the live stream started, I was just, like, chomping at the bit, couldn't wait to watch. And as soon as the service started... I could see the carpet, it was red, the seats in the choir was red, and the choir was singing Unclubbed Today, just exactly like my dream. And I just began to cry out to God. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you sent me here. Thank you, thank you. This is what I've been looking for. And the pastor uh, preached, and I, I'm, I was just blown away, just completely blown away. Um just an awesome, awesome, awesome preaching, awesome man of God. And so, um, I so I started watching that every Sunday, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. I mean, I just couldn't wait for it to start. I was always the first, most always the first one on. I just couldn't wait for service to start. I didn't want it to ever end when it ended, you know, each time. And so time went on and time went on. And so um, I just began to pray, and I said, Lord, you know, I said I'd love to go there. I would love to go there. I'd love to be a part of that church. I'd love to, and uh, but I knew in my heart it wasn't time yet. I knew in my time, you know, I knew in my heart it wasn't time yet because, you know, even though he saved and delivered me, I did have some still rough edges that he needed to send off of me, which he did, and um, which I'm glad he did because um, that had to really be worked out of me before I went there because you know when I went there. Um, I knew I wasn't going there perfect, but I didn't want to go there the way I was. I really wanted to be much stronger in my walk. I really wanted to be, you know, much deeper in my walk. And so time went on and time went on. And it got harder and harder to watch because, um, you know, I wouldn't be there so badly. And I I'd never visited. I didn't want to ever visit because I thought if I ever go visit, that's going to mess everything up because I really want to be there. And I won't want to, go, you know, leave or anything. And I really want to be there. And so time went on, time went on. And so finally the year of uh, 2020, um, I um, was watching in early 2020. And I just told God one day, I said, I can't watch anymore. I can't do this anymore. I said, it hurts too bad. It's just putting a knife in my heart every time I watch. I mean, it's a great service, but it's just putting a knife in my heart because I want to be there so badly. I just want so bad because I knew I belonged in that body. I knew I belonged there, and that's what made it all the harder that I wasn't there. And so, um, I, so I started like nitpicking. I started like when I would watch, you know, the services. I would nitpick, you know, 
the pastor, which is now my pastor, like I said, but um, I would nitpick him and try to find things wrong. So if, you know, then I could walk away justified saying, oh, see, he said the wrong thing, he did the wrong thing. I'm justified now in walking away. I, 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 um, I, I just can't watch anymore. So, like I said, I was looking for something. I was, it, it's like I placed him under a microscope. And so I never did contact him, even though I wanted to so badly over the years. I never did contact him. And so, um, like I said, I'm looking for things, looking for things. Time's going on. So finally, Father's Day Sunday of uh, 2020, uh, he gets up to make the announcements before he starts preaching. And he said, you know, there will be no service tonight. Tonight's a family night. Spend time with your family because the day is Father's Day. So, you know, when you watch live stream, you don't get to see everything. You know, there are some things you don't see because the cameras are only so big. And so someone must have said something, did something. I don't know, like I said, because, you know, watching live stream, you don't see everything. And so um, so then he, he made the statement. He said, well, I can do whatever I want. And so when he said that, I said, oh, there it is, there it is, there it is. There's my reason, there's my reason. He said the wrong thing. He can't do whatever he wants because that's God's house and not his house. So I can now walk away from his church. I can start watching somewhere else. I can be justified in walking away. I don't have to watch him anymore. And that hurt that I have for not being there, that will eventually go away. So I started watching another church, and it was a wonderful church. It was a fantastic church. I mean, God was truly there to this day. I still watch, you know, the pastor of that church at services sometimes. He's a true man of God. He's a loving man of God. He's a wonderful man of God. But it just wasn't this church. It wasn't the church where I knew God had me or was wanting me to be. But like I said, it just hurts so bad with me not being there. And so I started watching this other church, and so... um, Time went on and time went on and time went on. So in December of that year, God told me, he said, uh, I want you to start back watching that church that's in Greensboro. I said, you're a comedian. I said, you heard what the man said. You heard what the pastor said. You heard what the preacher said. He said he can do whatever he wants. He can't do that. He can't say that. You know, that's that's the get, going against you. He can't say that. I'm taking up for you. He, You don't want me there. You don't want me there anymore. And he said, yes, I do. He said, I I want you to start back watching. I said, but you know, it hurts so bad not being there. You know, it hurts so bad that I'm not able to be there. It hurts so bad to watch. And, you know, it puts a knife in my heart every time I watch because my heart's already there. And he said, just give me a little bit longer. Just be a little bit more patient with me. Just give me a little bit longer. I said, okay, okay, okay. It was a day, I can't remember if it was a day or two, but anyway, it was no more than two days later I got this text on my phone from the pastor of that church. From uh, I got it on Messenger, and he said, um, we love you, we miss you, we wish you were watching again. And that was truly God because that was my confirmation because, like I said, God had told me that two days before or a day before. And so I said, okay, okay, okay. So I started watching again, and um, so early February I just got this in my heart uh, to start um, to go on my phone and download the Zillow app and the um, Realtor.com app, so I did. And so I knew that the, the I knew a person in that church that was a realtor by watching live stream. You know, you sort of get to know people in the church. You know, you feel like you're part of it almost. And so um, I contacted him after God had given me permission. He said, "Today's the, excuse me." He said, "Today's the day." He said, "Call him and." Tell him to help you find a place. I said, okay, okay. 
So I called him, and I said, you know, I said, this is a crazy phone call. I said, I promise I'm not a stalker. I'm not a crazy person. But I said, I seriously want to move to Greensboro to be a part of your church. I said, uh, will you help me find a, you know, a condo or a townhouse or something along those lines? And he said, I'd, I would love to. And so I told him what I was looking for, price range, everything else, you know, you know, all the you know, logistics that come with finding a house or a place to live. So I told him all that. And so he started my journey with him. And so found several places, but, you know, every place I found, you know, with the real estate market, as it was then, as it still is, was crazy. You know, it's like you'd be interested in a place, but you've got 10 other people or even more that are interested in the same property, and it's like next to impossible to try to get a place. And so Tom went on and Tom went on, and he said, so when are you going to come visit us? I said, well, I'm coming soon, but I just want to come the right time. i got to come when God wants me to come. I said, I'm just really praying for the right time. And so I, I finally got my answer from God about when to go, and so I went that weekend and, you know, spent some time with this realtor who's now a friend to look at places. And um, we looked at places all weekend, didn't find anything, and uh, went to church for the first time, and it was just, it was just like a dream being there after watching the line for so long. It was just it was just unbelievable. It was just unbelievable to me. And so that Sunday when I got to church, I um got out of the car and before because I took an Uber there or a car service there. So um when I got out of the car, um before my feet even hit the ground, there was two people by the door as you walk in. There was two people standing there. And they said, good morning, Bill Moore. And I was like, um, am I in a dream or is this really real? And it was, of course, real. And so I said, good morning to him, and I walked in. And I was um, excited about being there. And so church, uh, so I found a place to sit, and so church started. And it was just beyond incredible just to be there after watching all these years, you know, because it's probably been six years since I've been watching and it was just beyond incredible. And so um, I, um, you know, you know, finally met the pastor face-to-face after the service, and then I went back. So then he announced that morning as he was preaching, he announced that that night he was going to be preaching on transgenderism. I thought, wow, wow, wow. The Sunday I just, you know, that God tells me to go, he preaches that night on transgenderism because he could have preached that any time, but God waits until the Sunday when I'm there to preach on that. I was never in transgenderism, but you know, being in the gay lifestyle, you know, that is, that is, you know, they are, you know, they they're part of each other, you know, because you know, you know, they're a part of each other, and so um, that just really blew me away. And so I went back that night and he preached on that, and it was just a terrific, terrific message. And so after service, I was going to talk to him for a little bit before I left, but I could not find him. I kept looking, could not find him. And so just as I'm getting ready to leave and I'm getting ready to just give up, I turned around and I started to walk out. And as soon as I turned around and I started to walk, I ran right into him, almost knocked him down. And um, we talked for a little bit, and uh, I said, there's something I want to tell you. I was going to tell him about my deliverance from the homosexual lifestyle. And uh, I said, there's something I want to tell you. And I was crying. And he said, I know. And I said, no, you don't. And I said, I want to tell you. And he said, I already know. 
already know. He said, I love you. I already know. I said, well, I love you too, but no, you don't. And uh, he said, you were delivered from the homosexual lifestyle. And I said, oh, I guess you do know. And so um, we talked for a little bit longer, and he said, "Um, so when are you going to be back? And I said, I don't know, I don't know. I said, hopefully there will be more places to look at tomorrow before I leave. I don't know. And uh, he said, will you do me a favor? And I said, I'll do anything. And uh, he said, hurry back, hurry back. And so I left, went back to my hotel. Like I said, I didn't want service to even end. I didn't want that whole day to end because that was just a magical day. And so went back to my hotel and couldn't even sleep because I you know, didn't want to leave there you because know, I knew the next day I was leaving. So my realtor contacted me the next morning and said, i got three places we can look at if you want to look at before you leave. And I said, oh, most definitely, most definitely. And so we went and looked at three places, and the first place we looked at, it was just, it was like Barbie's Dreamhouse. It was just too perfect. You know, it was just too pristine. I thought, I'll mess this place up. I mean, I'm not a slob, but it's like I can't live in a perfect place because I'm not perfect. And then we went to the second place, and something about that second place, it's just like something just, something just was hitting me in the face every corner I turned. It was just like something just was not right about that second place. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew something was wrong. So we went to the third place. And we didn't, we didn't even go in. We were still outside waiting to go in. And I said, this is the place. This is my home. And he looked at me really funny. He said, um, well, we are going in, right? And I said, well, yeah, of course, but I want to tell you this is, this is mine. This is, this is going to be mine. He said, okay, okay. So we looked at it and everything. I said, well, let's put the offer in. So I told him what I was wanting to offer and all that good stuff. And um so he was he was going to write it up when he got back to the office, and he said, um, I can take you to the airport. We can pick up your stuff out to sell, and I can take you to the airport. And I said, oh, no, 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 I said, you got work to do. you got work to do. You need to go back and, you know, make this offer sound great and wonderful, and so they'll accept it. And he said, well, I'll um, call you, text you, or email you once something happens. So I went to the airport, caught my flight, because I had to stop in Atlanta to change planes. And so I got to Atlanta, and it's like, come on, come on, come on. This is, this, this is like, I felt like I was giving birth or something, you know. And so finally I got an email from him, and he said, congratulations. And so that was truly God that he allowed that because, like I said, you know, with the market as crazy as it was and as it still is, you've got so many people bidding against you. So it was by the grace of God they accepted my offer. So um, – then three weeks later after the offer is when we closed, and uh, so I came back and everything on Tuesday. And uh, my, my, my first church service officially was going to be Easter Sunday, which I find interesting because my favorite holiday is Easter. And God knows that. And so it's like God was giving me my desires of my heart to be in my new church physically for Easter Sunday is my first Sunday. That's how God works. And so I started... You know, going to church there, I was so excited to be here. It was just, I mean, there, well, I'm not in Greensboro right now, but there in Greensboro, I just, I just, I just loved it. I just, I thought I'll never leave again because I love it here so much, and I do still love it so much. I mean, I still pinch myself every morning like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And so um, time time went on, and um, so I decided I was going to join, the, you know, I decided it was time that I joined a church, and so... Um, I met with my pastor at the end of July, 
And uh, so I was going to give him, you know, in order to join the church at my church, you give your testimony to him, and then he tells you a little bit of things about the church, and then, you know, the church votes on you, then you're a member. And so I, you know, talked to him that Sunday, and I gave him my testimony, and he said a few words, and we talked a little bit longer. And so then the next Sunday, um, I was decided I was going to join. The week after that, I was going to join. And so I was going to ask uh, his wife how to join because I forgot what he told me when I met with him how to join. And so I was going to ask her, but every time I went to go over to talk to her, to ask her, someone was coming to talk to me. And whenever they weren't talking to me, they were someone over there talking to her, and I thought, it's just not meant to be for me to talk to her. So finally church had started, and uh, my pastor walked in, and God had me sit on the second row when I started there. And that's another story. And um, so I'm sitting there, and my pastor always sits in front of me. So when he came in that night, I said, there's something I want to ask you. He said, well, there's something I want to tell you. But he said, I'm going first. I said, go ahead. Go ahead. He said, I was sharing with my wife this afternoon your testimony. He said, and she was just completely blown away. He said, one of these Sundays, if I call on you, will you give your testimony? I said, sure, sure, be glad to. Just just let me know when, be glad to. Sure. So church, like I said, church had already started. We sang, the choir sang. The choir was coming down, and he began to talk about the Burlington Revival. I thought, oh, he's going to call me tonight. I'm going to kill this man. I'm going to kill this man. I'm not ready tonight. I'm going to kill this man. Because I had never spoken publicly about my testimony. Not that I'm ashamed of it, but I just never have given it publicly. And so, um, I, you know, he, the next thing I know, he's calling on me to come up front and get my testimony, which I did. And I was just blown away how God used it and how God blessed it and how God just gave me the the unction to speak because I'm typically a nervous person not to speak in front of crowds or even talk to crowds or even talk to strangers. I mean, before I moved there, I, I never even talked to my you know, my drivers that I would have in these different car services, I would never even speak to them or talk to them. I might say hello once in a while, but never really talk to them. But since I, since I gave my testimony, and even before I gave my testimony, since I'm living now in Greensboro, it's just like I get in my, my car service that if I'm going to church or wherever I'm going, it's just like you can't shut me up. I mean, I'm sharing God with them. I want them to hear. I want them to know. And I've had so many just incredible experiences, so many incredible experiences. Had this one lady, um, she picked me up. This was just before Christmas. She picked me up, and uh, I began to share with her my story about, you know, the church and coming here for the church and stuff. And it's just like we got almost three miles from my church, and it's just like God just elbowed me in the back, and he said, you need to share with her your testimony. And so I did. I shared with her my testimony. And so we got all the way to my church, and she was getting ready to let me out. I mean, I'm sorry, I got ready to get out of the car, and I thanked her for the ride. I said, thank you, thank you so much. It's been nice talking with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so I went to reach for the door handle, and so when I did, it was locked. And so I didn't try to be serious. I was very, you know, calm, cool, collected, you know. And I said, ha, 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 the door's locked. I said, you must have locked me in. And she turned around, and she looked at me in the back seat, and she had tears running on her face. And she just, she was talking, you know, a little bit loudly. And she said, how did you know? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. She said, how did you know? 
I said, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, I don't really know what you're talking about. And uh, she said, by the way, she said, the door is locked. She said, I locked you in. She said, I want to talk to you if that's okay. I said, oh, that's fine. That's fine. We can talk as long as you want. I'm always really to church, so we can talk as long as you want. And um, she said, you know. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, I'm a lesbian, but I don't want to be. And I began to cry, and I said, I didn't know that. I said, I will admit to you, sometimes when I share my testimony, I said, sometimes that God will tell me uh, that the person needs to be delivered or that they are in the lifestyle. But I said, he never said that about you. He never said that about you. So I'm just sharing with you from my heart to your heart. And she said, well, I don't want to be that way. And she said, you've definitely given me hope I don't have to be that way. And that just completely just blew me away because I said that was not even planned. It was just planned just to make small talk about, you know, coming here to church and not anything really too heavy or not feel like I'm judging by which I wasn't judging her even. And so, um, you know, so we sat there and we talked for a little while. You know, it was really funny. You know, she had other, you know, um, rides she could have taken, but she was wanting to talk about the Lord, which I was more than happy to talk about the Lord because that's my favorite subject, of course. And so... um, when we got through talking to her thing, she, um, she said, I want to thank you. She said, no thank you from me as needed, but she said, I want to thank you. And she said, I'll now unlock your door and let you out. And I said, well, I can stay as long as you want. And she said, well, she said, I'm just so thankful God put you in my path. I said, I appreciate that. I said, it's not about me, it's about him. I said, I try every single day. I said, some days I fail. I'm not perfect. But I said I try every single day to um, ask God to order my steps and to order my tongue and order my mouth. And I said, um, you were definitely sent to me. And I said, I, I'm so grateful and thankful that I got to share with you. I said, I, I, I said I'm still overwhelmed he delivered me, and I'm so thankful and grateful he did. I said, you know, I said I was in that life 25 years. I said he could have easily in those 25 years, you know, dusted his feet, dusted his hands and say, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. You've had one enough time. I've dealt with you enough. I'm done, I'm done. But he didn't. He didn't give up on me. And I'm eternally grateful and thankful for that. I mean, I can never, ever thank him enough for all he's done. I mean, it it still blows me away every single time he uses me with a certain person or a certain circumstance. Um... Like I said, you know, before I came to Greensboro to go to church there, I um, I didn't talk to people. I mean, I was an introvert. I just didn't say a word hardly to anybody. I just kept to myself, didn't bother a soul. I just, I, that was just me. I was a very quiet person. But now that I'm in Greensboro, it's like um, I don't know a single stranger in my church. I mean, I talk to people now. Just I start the conversation. Um, it, it, I'm just blown away at all God has done. Um, I've been, you know, I've been praying recently about what I can do in my church because I want to, I don't want to just go on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night and just sit there and warm that pew. I don't want to do that. I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to do more for him. And um, I guess that's why my name is more because I want to do more. And um, so, you know, I just started praying about what to do and what he would have me do because, I don't, like I said, I don't do anything that he's not in. 
And so it was really interesting. So um, since I was there, uh, well, I've been there, I should say, at church, um, my my pastor was coming to revival in Sanford, North Carolina um, month, a few months ago. And um, I really wanted to go. I really wanted to go. I really wanted to go hear him because I can hear him preach 24-7. He's just a great, great, great man of God. I know I'm prejudiced, but he really is. If you ever heard him, you would say the same thing. He's very... He's definitely a life saver. He's definitely saved my life. You know, God saved my life, I know, but, you know, God has used him also to save my life, and I just am eternally grateful, eternally grateful that God has placed this man of God in my life. And so, anyway, so he was in revival in Sanford, and so I wanted to go. And so it was really interesting. So um, I knew who I was wanting to go with. You know, there's this couple of my church I could have gone with who don't live too far from me, and there wouldn't be too much other way for me to ride with them. And and so I was going to ask them on a Sunday morning if I could go with them. And uh, God spoke to me on the way to church that morning. He said, absolutely not. He said, do not ask them. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I'm asking you to go to church. I'm not asking you to go to Arby's or anything like that. I'm asking you to go to church. And so he said, no. That's okay. Okay. So I'm going to church that night in my car service. I'm praying. I said, I'll just ask him tonight. And he said, absolutely not. I said, I want to go to church. I'm not asking you to go to Hawaii. I'm asking you to go to church. And he said, absolutely not. So then Wednesday came. I said, I'll ask him tonight. Same thing. He did not want me to ask him. So there was a person in my church whose uh, mother had passed away on Thursday. So then on Friday afternoon, the person whose mother had died on Thursday in my church he uh, called me. He said, I'm going to Sanford tonight to hear Pastor. He said, I would love it if you would ride with me. I've been praying about, you know, if I should take anybody, what I should do. And he said, God brought you to me and told me to take you. He said, would you like to go with me? It's just like heaven's opened and God said, this is what you've been waiting for. And I said, I would love to go with you. I would love to go with you. And so... I went with him. But then he said, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I need a shower. I need I need to look presentable. If I go looking like I am right now and you pick me up in 15 minutes like you want to, I said, people think it's Halloween and not, you know, church service. I said, I need time to get dressed and look decent. And so anyway, so we got to the church service and everything, and, um, when I, when I first moved there, I never envisioned or never even dreamed anything or thought anything about the choir, you know, because, you know, that singing, and I'm not a singer. I mean, if you heard me sing, you would say, well, thank God there's a choir because you can blend in and maybe they won't hear you. But because uh, I call myself Barney Fife of the choir, Barney Fife of the choir. And so um, the choir director came over to me that night and everything, and she said, I need you in the, she said, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. She said, you're going to sing in the choir tonight. And I started to say, but, and she said, well, there is no reason for you not to. She said, you've been watching all these years online before you moved here. She said, there's no reason you cannot do that. I'm sure you know all the songs by heart just as we do because you've been listening for six years. I will not take no for an answer. You are going to be in the choir, no questions asked. So I sang in the choir. I've been singing in the choir ever since. It's just been a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous,
tremendous, tremendous blessing. It's just like unbelievable. And so, um, so the church, you know, I, you know, like I said, I was wanting to do more. And so now for the church, I do several different volunteer things, which I love very dearly. I want to do even more. I mean, I just, I love working for my church. I love working for God. I love sharing my testimony, as you just heard. I just, I just can't get enough. Love it all. I mean, I, I just want to work for him because of all he's done for me. I mean, as I told you earlier, he could have given up on me. He had every reason to give up on me, but he didn't. And that's, if you're listening tonight and you are maybe fighting that lifestyle, or maybe it's another addiction, maybe it's something else, just know he hasn't given up on you. He loves you very much. And he wants you to crowd to him. He wants you to come to him. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He died for you. As you know, I always say the old saying, I know you've heard it a thousand times, I've heard it a thousand times, but it's so true. You know, he died for me. The very, very, very least I can do is live for him and serve him because he's always been there for me, even in my darkest times. And like I said, even times I did not deserve. I I didn't deserve my deliverance. I didn't deserve that. Because as I told you, I was in it 25 years. He had every reason to walk away from me in those 25 years and saying, you know, I've tried, but you don't want it, so I'm done. But he didn't. But he didn't. But he didn't. And that's why I want to do everything I can for him, because all he's done for me, I just love him so much. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, you know, I just love um I can't express enough. I just love my relationship with him. Um, it, it's just so nice, you know. When I was um, in the life and I wasn't delivered yet and I wasn't really saved yet, I mean, I would go to bed at night. It felt like I would have one eye open and one eye, you know, closed. You know, I, I never had peace. I never had peace. I never really got a decent night's sleep because I was always so worried. It's like, oh, please don't come tonight. Please don't come tonight. I'm not ready. I'm not ready, and I really want to be ready when you come. He heard my cry. He heard my request. And now when I go to bed at night, you know, I I sleep with both eyes closed. I've got peace in my heart. I wake up with joy in my heart. I wake up with a, I guess what's the word, a sprint in my step. Uh, I just can't wait to start today. I just can't wait to see what he's got in store. I just can't wait to see what I can do for him. I just can't wait to... Uh, Maybe need a car service to go somewhere, whether it's a grocery store or the church or to wherever I need to go. You know, it's like, who can I share him with? Who can I share him with? I mean, I've had so many experiences with these drivers. It's just been so beautiful, so beautiful. I'll tell you about this one man, and I'll wrap up because I know you're tired. Um, but I had this one man pick me up um, a few months ago. He picked me up. And, you know, sometimes you do get the same driver. You know, it's not often, but sometimes you do because, you know, you know, Greensboro is not the largest city in the world. And so uh, this man picked me up this one Sunday morning from church a few months ago, and he picked me up, and we had just started out, and he put on his brakes, and he looked at me in the back seat, and he said, um, I've been looking for you. And I looked at him really funny, and I said, um you sure you're not talking to somebody else? He said, no, 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 no. I've been looking for you. He said, do you remember me? And I said, well, uh, I said, well, actually, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. I said, I really 
don't, but maybe if I think about it, maybe if I look at you a while longer, maybe I will remember you, but I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to lie to you, I really don't at this moment. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that's, but please don't take that personally because I do have a lot of drivers, you know, so don't take that personal. And he said, I remembered you. He said, all you talked about was God. And now look at where I'm picking you up. And he said, I'm so glad I saw you. I'm so glad I'm seeing you today. He said, you know, he said, I've been looking for you. I said, I'm still not understanding why you've been looking why you've been looking for me. He said, Well, right after he saw you, he said, I got sick. He said, went to the doctor, he said, they um operated on me. He said, I've got cancer. And I said, I'm still not following you. I said, I'm sorry, maybe I'm slow this morning. Maybe my brain is fried from church, but I said, I don't understand. He said, Well, I've been looking for you. He said, Because when they told me I had cancer, he said, I knew who I wanted to pray for me. He said, and then it's you. He said, I want you to pray for me. And that just really hit me like someone hit me in the back with a two-by-four or something. It's just like that just really humbled me so much. And I told him, I said, I, you, I will definitely pray for you. I will definitely pray for you. I said, I will screenshot your information on my phone when I get home. I will keep your picture. I said, I will definitely pray for you. He said, well, if you're going to pray for me, he said, i got nothing to worry about. I said, I appreciate that. But you do know. You do know. I said, I'm sure you do know, but I just want to reemphasize. You do know it's nothing about me, nothing about me. I said, I'm just, as my pastor says, which I love it when he says it, he, I said, I'm just a speck of dirt. Just like the song says, I'm just a speck of dirt. I said, that's all I am. I said, so all the credit, all the glory, all the honor, every single thing goes to him, nothing to me. I said, but I'm so glad I know you. I'm so glad our paths crossed again, and I'm going to pray they happen, you know, they cross even more often if you're going to keep driving. I said, I really pray for that. And so, you know, like I said, I've had some good experiences with these drivers. It's just been amazing, amazing, amazing. Because like I said, before I moved here, I didn't say anything to these drivers. I might have said hello when I got into the car, but that would be it, you know. And I just kept to myself. I just minded my own business, you know. But now it's just the opposite. Now it's like I'm sure they won't take my batteries out and shut me up, you know, because all I'm going to do is talk about him and glorify him. But that's what it's all about. It's all about him. It's not about me. Because without him... You know, I'm as I said before, I'm just dirt. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And I'm just so thankful and grateful for everything. I mean, I, I, I just really, I just cannot thank him enough every day for all he's done. I mean, and, and like in my church now, the people he's run in my life, I mean, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It just, I'm just blown away. My church is, I'm just going to say it. My church is the best loving church in the world, you know. I know I'm prejudiced, but I'm just going to say that. I said it's the most wonderful church in the world. I can't imagine him anywhere else. I mean, I really have prayed. I really feel like in my heart I can say this honestly. I really feel like I'm going to be where I am right now, which is in Greensboro. I'm going to be there either when he decides it's time to call me home or either whenever he comes after us, which I which is another subject for another day, but I don't think that's long. I don't think that's long, and I pray people get their hearts right because he's coming very, very soon and very, very quickly. 
seek him while you can because that time is quickly running out. So anyway, so I've rambled long enough. That's my story. Um, I would love to hear from you if you'd like to correspond with me. Um, I'll give you my email address. I'll spell it for you because if I say it, you may get confused, but um, I'll spell it for you. It's uh, N-I-C-E, like nice, nice person, which I am now that I'm saved and delivered. Um, N-I-C-E, man, M-A-N, and then another N like Nancy, so that's two N's. And then W as in William, H as in Henry, C as in Charlie, A as in Apple, at AOL.com. I'll repeat that for you. N as in Nancy, I as in ice cream, C as in Charlie, E as in Edward, M as in Mary, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, W as in William, H as in Henry, C as in Charlie, A as in Apple, at AOL.com. And... You can reach me there anytime you want. I would, like I said, I'd love to hear from you if I can help you. Or if you just simply want to, you know, send me an email and say, um, I fell and broke my leg last night. Will you pray for me? I'll be glad to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. I'm so thankful to God I can pray for people. I'm so thankful, like, you know, he's he's put that love in my heart to pray for people. I just, I just want to do all I can for him. So, like I said, if you want to keep in touch, I'd love to, you know, you know, correspond with you. And, um... So when we get to heaven, I can meet you one day. So um, that's my story. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, praise God. I thank you, Bill, for that beautiful, powerful testimony there. That was powerful. It really was. I know it moved in the heart of each and every one of us to listen. You know, something that the Lord spoke to me about as you were testifying there, it all began with you. When you reached your limit, you couldn't go any further. You repented. You wanted a new life. You wanted to turn around 180 degrees. You didn't want that old life anymore, whether it's a life of homosexuality or a life of sin in any way. And that's really what where it all begins. And you know what else he told me in relation to that is um, he told me one day, uh, similar to what you just said, he told me that one day, and he also said this. He said, you know, he said, the person that loved you the most, which is him, of course, which is God. Mm-hmm. He said the person that loves you the most is the person you were hurting the most. That's right. And the person that, you know, you always said you didn't have love, didn't have love, but you did have it, and that person that was giving it to you is the one that you were hurting the most. Amen. And, you know, you just actually introduced what I was just ready to say right after that. The next step is the Bible tells that God's perfect love cast out all fear, so all fear Every horrible thing was in your life was cast out. Right. And then after that, old things passed away. All these old horrible things passed away. All things became new, a new life, a new adventure, a new everything completely changed man, changed person, changed circumstances, able to sleep at night, know where you're going, everything at peace. And that's all it takes, you know, really for every 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 and any person no matter what their need is, if they don't know Jesus tonight, that's the whole answer right there. That is the salvation plan right there. Repent, want to turn your ways and say, Lord, forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Just take over my life. And then that perfect love will come into your life. Right, and then they can witness the greatest love story that's ever been told. They can be a part of that. That's right. And then that perfect love that cast out all the fear, 
and then immediately after that, the old things have passed away. The things that you uh, did before that you wanted to do, you don't want to do them anymore. That's right. It's not that you couldn't do them, but you don't want to. The desire leaves. God takes that desire out. And then all things become new, and you start to want to do the new thing that God puts in your heart. So it's a change of heart. Because you don't want to hurt the one that loved you the most and brought you through everything, you don't want to hurt him. That's exactly right. And that that's our main purpose. You see, that's the highest degree of our service to God. First of all, we do it because uh, we do it because the Word says certain things to do and not do We do it because the Word says it. Then we do it because uh, we know we should do it. But the highest form of what we do is when we do it or don't do it because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 4.13 or Ephesians 1.13, grieve not the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to grieve the Lord in any way, shape, or form. So that's the highest form of not wanting to make any misstep or do anything with, with grieving. And that when we come in that place and we remain that place, then life becomes so sweet because that pleases God, knowing our love towards him. And, you know, as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. That's right. So the closer we become and the more we do, it just gets greater and greater and greater. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's not, you know, a lot of people, they call it religion, we say relationship. But it goes on beyond the relationship. It's actually the lifestyle, not a lifestyle, but it is the only lifestyle. Every other so-called lifestyle is death. Unless it's Jesus' lifestyle, it's not a lifestyle, it's a death style. It's the lifestyle that we were created to have. Exactly. Exactly. Praise God. And I believe everybody's got the message there in the realm of how to contact you there. And I'll say this, you know, on, on the station, if you're looking on the computer, it's there. It'll go on about five minutes after we go off tonight. It'll go on there, this program where it's called the on-demand section, and you can listen to it again. So you can go to the station right there or uh, just check uh uh, with that, the station, just look at the on-demand section, Reaching Out Radio, Radio International, Reaching Out Radio International, and it'll take you there, and you'll see that. And there's over 600 messages there. I've had a lot on there myself. I've been with uh, Evangelist Montel for many years, and there's other fine men and women on there that have some beautiful messages also. And, of course, this great message, this great testimony tonight. So uh, this is what it's all about, folks. And uh, this is really everything in a nutshell. But if he does it for one, he'll do it for you. You see, God's not a respecter of people. And, you know, in, in my own lifestyle uh, with the Lord relationship right there, when I came to the point, and this, this goes for everybody, whether it's a habit or whether it's a homosexual lifestyle or whether it's drugs or whatever, when you come to the place of your will, you're saying, I choose to Turn my will to you, God. Deliver me. I mean business with you. I intend to quit. I intend not to do it anymore. When you mean business, then the Bible says in Romans eight thirteen, by the Holy Spirit, he gives you the strength to, to kill the flesh. In other words, he takes these things away from you. He gives you the ability because you can't do it yourself. Uh, Bill didn't do this in his own power, be delivered. It was the Spirit of God that delivered him. And when you give your will to him, which is one thing that God cannot do, is force your will. He made it that way that he couldn't do that. He's, he's ready. He's standing at that door knocking for you to give your will to him. And when you mean business and give it to him 100%, holding nothing back, when you do that, that's when the Holy Ghost comes on just like that and delivers you, you see. Because 
you have to turn the uh, doorknob for him to come in because he will not. Exactly. He's a gentleman. He is not going to interrupt. He's not going to. Exactly. Uh, he's going to do. He's going to do as you allow him to do. He does like the picture of everybody has seen Jesus knocking on that door, but you don't see a latch in that side. But he's knocking. He's knocking, but it has to be open from the inside, the inside of our heart, and we invite him in. But when we do that, he gives. We give him our will. You know what he gives us in exchange. He gives us all heaven, everything he has to offer. Second Timothy, Second First Peter, Second uh, Peter, chapter one, verse three and four. Rather, he said he's given us all things according to godliness and life on this earth. He's given it all to us because we invited him in to take over our life, which he has done. As you have shared with us in this testimony, the great things. I know there's a lot of other things that you could have shared that time definitely would not permit. But uh, the things that he has done in your life, the blessings and the favor, and we can talk about the favor and the blessings. It's beyond comprehension, but there's so much to offer. So uh, there's just nothing like a Christian life living for Jesus, is there? That's the truth, yes. It's the best Life there is is the only life there is. Yeah, that it, like, everything else is death. Uh, I have another thing I just wanted to say to you. I believe we covered everything you gave the address and everything, and I will say it. Uh, either contact Bill, if you, if you don't get his number, contact me or whatever. But if you want to talk to Bill, uh, you just contact Bill, the address he had, or, or me, and I'll make sure he gets the message. Okay? And in closing, Bill, uh, I wanted to ask you uh one thing, is there anything that you would like to say to that audience out there regarding everything, kind of a little, just a little summary there of a few sentences? What, what is your word for the people right now? You know, you've always heard, I've always heard that, you know, God is never late. He's, on, he's always on time. Mm-hmm. But until you're in that circumstance that you really, you know, you feel like you're at your end, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can you know, even though he, you know, you know, I know that you know you you know you may be asking you know listen to my testimony. You may be asking yourself, well, you know, he didn't want to be in this life all those years, but yet and so he was. Explain that. Well, I can't easily explain that because um, it's like you have to truly, truly want it with one hundred percent of your heart, mm-hmm. not ninety nine point nine five percent. Exactly. You have to want it with 100% of your heart. You have to have true repentance, which is making a 180. You know, it's not like you just, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, mistake repentance with um, actions. You know, right. When I say actions, I mean they think if they shed a tear at the altar, oh, um, delivered. You know, it's like, no, no. It's like when I grew up in the Baptist church, and I'm not picking on Baptists because I'm a Baptist, so don't think I'm picking on the Baptist church by no means if you're listening to this. Um, but when I grew up in the Baptist church, um, the first time I felt God's presence and I went down to the altar to be saved, I remember plain as yesterday, I, I can still see it as I'm closing my eyes. I went down to the altar and the guest uh, preacher that was preaching the revival that night, he was on one side of me. The preacher of the church that I was going to was on the other side of me. And I was, you know, I went down, you know, and they said, what do you what do you need prayer for? And I said, well, I came down, and my heart was beating a 1,000 miles an hour, and I said, I want to be saved. Mm-hmm. And so the pastor that was the pastor of the church where I was going, he prayed. He prayed. And when he finished praying, he, you know, he had to stand up and everything, so the three of us stood up, and he looked over at me, and he said, you're saved. I said, no, I'm not. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I don't know as much as you, but I said, no, I'm not. I said, 
you prayed, you got saved. I didn't pray. Mm-hmm. I said, I have to ask God into my heart myself. So I said, you can't pray and save me. That's right. And see, I knew that at an early age. I mean, I, I don't know how I knew that at an early age, but, you know, I did. I, I, I can't explain that. It, it instilled in you. God instills things. You know, everything must come to us. Everything with God, you know, begins with us. It's there, but he says, then you draw near, near to me and I'll draw near to you. You step out and I'll come toward you, you see. The Bible tells us all these things that we should be to do what we are, what we have, what we can have, but we have to initiate it. In fact, James one twenty two says that, that we must be doers of the word, not just hearers alone. We must practice. We have to do it. It's an action word. It's a verb. It's not just a, a saying thing. We put fruits behind it because faith is dead without works works is involved in faith and it manifests the result when we have it there but some people are just talk i can tell you i have all the faith in the world but if you don't see me applying that faith and see the hand of god move it's no more than talk and that's what a lot of times in christianity it is but when your testimony there gives proof of fruits of repentance fruits of repentance is a favor of god in your life what he's done in your life what he's changed there's fruits old things pass away all things become new you have things to testify of when god really makes that change you have things to say about god but if god didn't make a change if it's a head knowledge salvation instead of heart you really have nothing to say but you're excited you speak of things you're excited of things of god because god's real to you and the more we obey him the more we do what he wants us to do and follow him, the greater that relationship becomes, you know, because you know him better. The more and the longer you know a person on this earth, the more you know him. And that's the way with God as we read his word, as we pray, as we're in his presence, as we obey him, we become closer and closer. And then we're a little bit like Abraham. He was a, uh, a friend of God. And that is what the highest calling, his friend, being his friend. In fact, we're all friends of God if we are obedient to him, because our obedience uh, is what brings friendship. Because if you love me, you keep my commandments. Obedience is fair and sacrifice. Exactly. Exactly. And something else I made a mistake of was my uh, deliverance. In the early years when I, you know, tried to, I guess for lack of words I'll say it, I, I tried to deliver myself. I guess I can say it like that. Um, yes. You know, it's like um, I told myself, you know, this was um, back in 97, actually. This is when I was living in Ohio. Um, I told myself, you know, I, I just said, I'm going to quit having sex. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quit having sex. And, see, I was trying to deliver myself by my own works. Exactly. And, see, and, we, and see that was taking God out of the equation, which is, stupid and wrong because it's not about me it's about him and he doesn't need our help he just, he just needs us to step out of the way and let him do the work it's really the, like the old saying i say to people all the time because before god can help you you have to let it loose it's just like if i go to hand you a book until i release that book you couldn't take it out of my hand but i must release it i must let go and let god have it because at that point God has it, and he'll do what he would do. We hold on to it and try to do it ourselves and say, well, I think I can speed the process up. That's where we get ourselves into trouble. But when you completely allow God to do it, believe his word, act upon his word, and and stay out of the thing and don't try to speed it up or use your thoughts, because in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says his thoughts and his ways are above our ways. They're not our ways. So what you're thinking about, what you're praying about, if you try to put your two cents in, it's got to be messed up every 
time because you don't think the way he is. You don't act the way he does. That's where the little word trust comes in. And, you know, we talk about faith a lot. Faith, it begins with faith. And then in James 1, 4, it says, let patience have her work, her perfect work. You'll lack nothing, which is a twin sister of faith. But then for the long haul, the long haul, when things go long haul, it's trust. Because you're saying, Lord, I'm trusting you what I believe for and what I've exercised uh, faith in as well as what I exercise patience in. And I believe you. I'm standing. I'm standing. I'm trusting you for the outcome, period. That's it all the way through because that's the long-haul thing there, faith, patience, and trust. When you get, like, to the long end of patience where it grows a little bit weak, what happens is, I'm trusting you in this, God. This is yours. I've given it to you. You heard my prayer. You answered. It's yours. It's yours, and it's out of my hands completely. And when we do that, then, like you said a little bit in your testimony, you're able to sleep at night. There's no fear, no worry. But uh, this is really what it's all about, Bill, and that was a powerful testimony for everybody to listen to and show you how God can deliver you from hell to heaven. Just like in John 5:24, we pass and you pass from death unto life. From death, where you're headed in death in a horrible way, unto life, and that, that was powerful. So I want to thank you again, Bill. It has been really a pleasure and everything. Really enjoy it, and it's really a blessing. And I know many people were touched by that testimony, because like, that touching from the heart of God. That was God speaking to all our hearts, and I know we were all enriched through that testimony. So again, I want to thank you, my friend. Okay. Yes, indeed. But it's all about Him, nothing about me. Exactly. Now that we have nothing, all we are is just instrumental. fact, the more we go and grow and are used, all we recognize, we're just along for the ride. It, it's a humbling situation. It isn't a thing that you become proud. The more and the greater God uses you, the more humble you become. If it goes the other way, there's something wrong because God grooms us as he blesses us and he can trust us to be used. We develop knowing who he is and who we are, and there's no pride involved in it. We recognize who it is. It, it causes me, I tell you, I've, I've been 52 years in this thing, miracle after miracle after miracle, about everything you can think of, three dead rays and things like this. And I'm going to tell you something. The more I experience anything of God, the more humble I become, because I recognize I'm alone for the ride, and I realize I had nothing to do with nothing. We're talking to a man today, and I'll, I'll close on this. Uh, this man, we were talking about the same thing. In fact, you were with us, and uh, he said the very same thing because it's a humbling thing. You just don't, you just recognize how little. I, I really become smaller and smaller. There's just no significance, just like you said tonight, Bill, and I really appreciated that because, in truth, that's what it really is. And if we don't have that feeling within us, we need to be on our knees before God because that's where we have to be, or otherwise God can't use us because he knows if we can take it and he don't use us in things that he knows we're not capable of doing you know that's what holds a lot of prayers of people back they have to be mature enough to do what he wants them to do along with the, what the prayer request is but there again Bill, i said we could talk all night in the program here we definitely could because we talk about the lord it's so wonderful and everything but we just thank god for what he's going to do through this and we're expecting to hear many testimonies
testimonies out of this right now, folks. So let us know. You can write down below on the on the thing right there where you're listening to. If you have your your computer comments, or you can send a bill, or you can send to me. And I'm not even going to say mine because mine's on there. I'm on Facebook. I've been on all these programs, so most of you know me and everything. And not everybody does because this is around the world, of course. But you can just put something on there to Reaching Out Radio International. But let us know, folks, because the Bible said in the 105th Psalm, the first first verse, make known his deeds to the people. And he wants to be glorified. You're not glorifying us. You're glorifying the Lord because your testimony might be the very thing that's going to cause somebody else to receive the Lord or receive healing or whatever they need because they saw you went through it and you were helped. They say, well, if God helps that man or woman, he'll help me too. So just think your testimony could bring fruit into many people's lives just by giving your testimony, just like Bill did tonight. Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to say good night to everybody, and thanks again, Bill. And God bless you all, and I'll be back in two weeks. And I know the Lord will have another powerful word for you, okay? We'll see you then. We love you all, and you have a blessed week now, okay? Good night now, everybody. <laughs>